0: This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports.
1: Joining us now to cover the Colorado Avalanche. We're on a four-game losing streak coming out of the All-Star break is the Avs reporter from Mile High Sports, Arif Dean. You can follow him on social media at Run Right Erif. That's A-A-R-I-F. And, of course, the host of the Hockey Mountain High podcast, Arif. Uh, thank you for joining us. Before we, we jump in, I, I want to toss to a little bit of sound. From after Saturday's loss, uh, here's Miko Rantanen.
2: Is it a matter of just getting a bounce or anything positive to where you feel like this thing can turn around as a group? I think so. I think so. I think we, you know, we've had in these four games we had some good stretches. We haven't pulled a full sixty together, you know, and and we played four good teams. Obviously, uh, in their building, it's not not always easy and. Definitely, if you're not feeling it fully, you know, offensively, you're not going to score much like we haven't. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's but we've been through this together, uh, like previous times with the team and and we know how to get out of it.
1: Well, uh, maybe they do know how to get out of it. But one of the problems with this, this squad and it's been this way for a lot of this year, it seems like there's been inklings of something peeking through, but it never ends up being sustainable. If the top line doesn't score, the Avs just don't score.
2: Uh, that is pretty much the easiest way to put it, yes. If the top line does not score, the Avalanche don't score. Uh, and that's what we're seeing right now. I So that very last thing that Nico said, he said, we've been through this before, and we just got to find a way out of it. Uh, I did a podcast over the weekend, and I had J.J. Jerez on, who's now at Gorilla Sports, and he mentioned that He was curious if Miko was just talking in general or past bye weeks, and because we kind of like had this like slight memory of in the past talking about the Avalanche coming out of bye weeks and not playing so well, and I was able to find that the last two years they've not been too hot coming out of bye weeks. Uh, Last year there was a similar similar thing. Early February they were off for a week, and they had the All Star break in late January, so it was the bye week was the week after the All Star break rather than before. Uh, like it was this year and coming out of the bye week last year, the avalanche went on a three game road trip. They lost two to one to Pittsburgh in overtime where they gave up the lead uh, late in regulation, similar to what they did against the Rangers. And then they went into Tampa Bay. They got shut out five, nothing. Then they were in Florida. They actually won that game and then they came back home. Tampa Bay came in and beat them four to three. So coming out of the all-star break last year, and after, out of the bye week last year, that 10 days off, the Avalanche went 0-2-1. This year, or sorry, uh, 1-2-1. This year, it's 0-3-1. So it's a little bit worse because they were able to beat Florida last year, but this time they weren't able to. But they had a similar idea. They had one goal in two games. They had a 5 nothing shutout in there. They had a 4-3 to loss in there, similar to the Carolina game. So it seems like the difference this year compared to last year coming out of the All-Star break was one victory in these four games, and they won it 5-3, to which comes off as like that Carolina – or not the Carolina, the New Jersey game that was 3-3. Had they won that game, they would literally have, to the very goal, the same record and goals for and goals against as last year coming out of the break. It's just one of the weirdest things. Uh, Am am I saying all that to make an excuse for the avalanche? Absolutely not. The top line doesn't score when the top line doesn't score. Uh, They don't win games, but there's been a few reasons why the top line hasn't scored in these four games. That is really the more concerning part for me.
3: When we spoke last week on Tuesday, I believe. Yeah. They were coming off the two one overtime loss to the Rangers and it was unfortunate, but it didn't seem an especially devastating loss. I mean, they were up one nothing with, Uh, More than half the third period gone. And, uh, you know, they got it to overtime. They weren't able to win. Okay, that happens. Uh, The Rangers have been playing pretty well right before the break. But there was one thing Jared Bednar said after that game that kind of seemed odd to me. Not that it wasn't an accurate observation. He said it seemed like as the game wore on, they got fresher and we got tired. And we've talked about this before, but the minutes played... Uh, for the top guys, is building and building and building. Now, it wasn't there the other night. McKinnon got hurt. They got blown out. So the the ice time wasn't extreme uh, or as extreme the other night. But when you think about it, the New Jersey game on Tuesday night, they scored two goals in less than a minute to go from 1-3 down to 3-3 in the third period. Two goals in less than a minute. Then they score on Thursday night in Carolina two goals in five seconds. Other than a McKinnon lone goal in New York against the Rangers, they haven't scored on this trip except for the two goals in less than a minute and two goals in five seconds. Yeah, I, I mean, this is four games we're talking about where basically, other than the goal McKinnon scored, apart from maybe a total of a minute, then played any offense and a power play is 0 for 13.
2: Well, the concerning thing for me is is pinpointing the McKinnon goal because the McKinnon goal was in a 0-0 game coming out of the All-Star break. Nathan McKinnon scores the first goal. The Avalanche are up 1-0, and the guy that's got points in you know, 33 of 34 games has right. the goal. Right. That one sticks out as same old team, same old business. The issue with the remaining games is – They quickly went down by multiple goals in every single other game. They got shut out by Florida four nothing. They went down, I think, three to nothing in Carolina. In New Jersey, they were down three to one and one to nothing. So they've been constantly playing from behind. The McKinnon goal seems like the only one that was of value.
3: (laughs) And I know that's kind of my point. That's what. Yeah, exactly.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and, and like I know in New Jersey, they were down 3-1, and they tied it up 3-3. I know in Carolina, they gave up the three goals, and then after Parisi scored, Gerard like you said, five seconds five later. Five seconds it later. That yeah. down. And now it's suddenly 3-2, but it's, just, it's a whole bunch of coming from behind. Not a single goal put them ahead in any of these games outside of that first goal from McKinnon, and that's the concerning part for me, number one. Number two, like you said, the power play being over 13, it's not a good 0-for-13. It's not a goalies are stopping them 0-for-13. It's that they cannot even get set up 0-for-13, and that's the concerning part. Um, there's a lot of players that are kind of uh, playing like passengers right now. Um, and, and look, the, the, the reality is, is, is this the end of their season by any means? No, absolutely not. In, in a week from now, they might be 4-0. But we can only speak about what's the current situation. The current situation is... The Avalanche have played four games over the last two and a half weeks, and they have not looked good for about 3.75 of those four games at
1: all. How do, and we're speaking with Eric Dean of, of My Life Sports. I, I get that Miko Random says we know how to get out of it. Yeah. How did they get out of it? I mean, in the past, when, you, when, you, when you've seen them do it, you know, how have they done it? And do they have the correct personnel to do
2: it now? They have the personnel. Do they have the correct personnel to win a Stanley Cup with this roster? No. We've been saying it all year. They have their flaws in their roster. It starts with having no backup goalie. Their second-line center situation has become a massive issue with Ryan Johansson. Uh, you know, you're waiting for Val Michushkin and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But they have the guys to get out of this right now. It's Nathan McKinnon, it's Kyle McCart, it's Nico Ray, and some of the depth guys. I mean, Ross Colton hasn't scored in quite a while. Arturi Lekening, like... Bless him. I'm not throwing any shade at him, but after missing 35 games, he's still trying to find a seat.
3: Exactly. He's got
2: one exactly. assist in six games. Uh, the biggest one for me, and this is something that we don't speak about enough, and, and uh, when Val Michushkin was out sick against Toronto and then eventually entered the NHLPA assistance program, this was something that I quickly paid attention to because this has been the common theme for the last three seasons, and it has continued again. The Avalanche's record with Val Nachushkin in the lineup compared to out of the lineup, I don't remember if I've shared this on this radio show yet, is mind-boggling. So if you go back to the 21-22 season, and the reason why I specifically start with that year is because that's the year where Val became a piece of the top six. In the 2021 COVID year, he was on the third line because they had Brandon Saad or whatever, so he played with Tyson Joes. But the cup year, last year, and this year, these are the three years where Val has been a top six forward on the avalanche. In 62 games without him, they are 30, 29, and three. In 155 games with him, they are 109, 31, and 15. So basically, in the 62 games without Val they're a team that puts up about 85 points in a full season. In 155 games with Val Nachushkin, they're a team that puts up 130 points in a full season. They have two more regulation losses with Nachushkin in the lineup compared to without in 100 more games. Like, he is a huge difference maker. And the reason why those numbers stick out to me is because he affects both the offense and the defense. He affects the power play. He's got the second most power play goals in the NHL right now behind Sam Reinhardt, who scored on the Avs the other day despite not playing for the last month. He is a key part of the power play. He's got 21 goals in his last 30 games, and every year he seems to go on these hot runs. And on top of that, he plays the PK. He's a puck hound. He's pretty much Mark stone light in terms of being a two-way forward as a winger. He's a crucial piece of the roster. So getting back Val Natushkin would help whenever the heck that happens. But even if you don't count on that, because that's an if, just like Gabe Landeskog is an if, just like the trade deadline is an if, if they do this, if they do that, if Val comes back. The reality is the guys in the lineup, Miko, Jonathan Drouin, who's been in a little bit of a slump, slumps Nathan McKinnon, Arturi Leffinen, Ross Colton, these are guys, even Logan O'Connor, who this year has been outstanding, these are guys that can break him out of the slump, obviously Kael McCart on the blue line as well.
3: The goaltending issue persists. Um, Ananen didn't play Badly necessarily, but he didn't play well enough to uh, make the coaches say, well, I can't wait until we get a chance to see him again. Maybe once more on this road trip. Now you got to come back with Georgiev again. And obviously he yeah. was in a shooting gallery the other night. If he faced 43 shots, four went in. Uh, that's a respectable save percentage yeah. for one game. 39 saves out of 43 shots. Uh, but, They're not stealing games with their goaltending. Uh, I think that's an eminently fair statement to make. And Georgiev, at least to this point, has not been as good as he was a year ago. Um, And at this time a year ago, he had started to come on, really come on, uh, during the second half of the season. And this year, it's kind of been fits and starts. You see some stretches. Especially right before the All Star game, where it looks like his form is pretty good, and you know, since then it's been been up and down. And I, I thought the Carolina game, what was the first goal that he mishandled completely, uh, went right through him. And I know, I, you know, it's the first goal in a the game they end up losing five to two. It may not seem like a big deal, but it sets a certain tone, doesn't it?
2: Yeah.
3: And it's so a goal that-, that a tired goaltender lets in.
2: Yeah, they are, they are reaching the point of no return with the goaltending situation, and that's my big concern right now is that I, I refuse to count out Alexander Georgiev as a starter that can win with this team until I see him get the same kind of help that Darcy Kemper had and that Philip Grubauer had in the form of Pavel Francis. Uh I don't have the exact numbers in front of me because I looked at this about two or three weeks ago, but over the last 15 months, so the start of last season until now, uh alexander georgiev regular season plus playoffs has played i think it was something around 20 more games than the next most goalie and that's with the avalanche only playing one round of the playoffs so had they gone to round two round three whatever last year it would be at 25 30 games more he's playing too much here's the issue he's at 44 games yeah there's 29 games left in the season a reasonable, without another addition at the deadline, a reasonable amount of games that you can expect a backup goalie to play right now. Actually, on the high end, you can expect the backup goalie to play nine of the last 29, which I don't think would happen. Well, that's high end.
0: With, yeah. With, yeah,
2: with Prosvitov and Ananin, yeah. I don't expect that to happen. Nope. Nine of the next 20, nope. of the next 29. If nope. that was to happen, Georgiev's at 64. Well, given. Georgiev plays. Yeah. 24 of the last 29, he's at 68. These yeah. are way too many games. Too many. Like yeah. it is it is reaching the point of no return. What I mean by that is you need yeah. to bring somebody on like ASAP, like by the end of this road trip. And when you bring on somebody, it can't just be, you know, Devin Dubnik three years ago or whatever it was. It needs to be someone like Marc-Andre Fleury, Dan Vladar, Jake Allen, someone that literally over the next 29 games can play 12 of them, 13 of them, 14 of them, literally split half-half the way François would. And let Diordia enter the playoffs at 59 to 61 games, not 68 or 69. Like, it's it's reaching the point of no return at this point.
1: How much of Jared Bednar's choices play into that, too, though? Because obviously Bednar has to not only uh, be comfortable with a backup goaltender, but what you're talking about is basically a backup goaltender that you bring in and then immediately comes close to playing, you know, 40% or more of the games. And while I agree with everything you're saying, do you think that there is a goaltender out there that Jared Bednar would immediately feel comfortable doing that with?
2: Yeah, there are. There's guys like uh, Jake Allen from Montreal's an example. Marc-Andre Fleury is my top choice.
3: Ours too, actually, uh, on the show, yep.
2: Yeah, there's also Dan Vladar out of Calgary. Like Those are guys that are similar to Palau-Franco's that are 1B options. Those are goalies that are backups that are used to playing 30, 35 games. If you go out and acquire somebody like, I don't know, Uh, Dave Riddick or whatever, like somebody who you know isn't really going to give you much more than Ivan Krosvitov did. Yeah, Jared's going to play him once or twice and be like, this guy stinks too. Then you'd be better off
1: going and trading for a second line center, right? Because you'd at least get more bang for the buck. At
2: that that point, yeah. At that point, don't make a move just to make a move. Make a move for a guy that actually makes sense. So somebody like, to me, that makes sense would be somebody like Marc-Andre Fleury. That's somebody that I can see actually coming in and playing 13 of the next 29 games someone who can give you Pavel Francis-level hockey. The three that come to mind right away are Dan Vladar, Jake Allen, and Marc-Andre Slurry.
3: What's your read on uh, McKinnon? I know the game's tomorrow night, not tonight, so there might not be uh, uh, any prognosis, but what what was the sense from what you've heard coming out of the game on Saturday night as to how long he might be out if he misses games at all?
2: It doesn't sound like he's going to miss any games. Uh, there was something today, Jared Bednar, this is from Jesse Montano, who was in, on the road trip. It said, Jared Bednar said that McKinnon is, should be good to go for tomorrow.
0: Good. He
2: was getting some treatment today on something he tweaked, which is why he wasn't on the ice for practice. The big takeaway for me that says McKinnon is going to play is when the Avalanche practice and all they do is take the healthy scratch from Curtis McDermott and stick him on McKinnon's usual line, That says to me, McKinnon's going to play because Jared did not want to break up any of the other line combinations. He wanted those lines to all skate with their teammates. But if you saw Ross Colton, for example, skating with Miko and Archery, that says to me, yes, Nathan McKinnon is not going to play. But because he took Curtis McDermott and just placed him between Miko and Druan or Lekkinen, whoever it was. That just simply says to me, McKinnon's going to miss practice, so this guy's going to take over for him for, this, for the day. So he gets be to know tomorrow, in my opinion.
1: Well, they certainly need him, because as we talked about, the problem with the Avs is yeah. they need to find it. It's great to find secondary scoring, but they don't have it. Uh, John, John yeah. Elway's idea, there is no plan B. We're going plan A. That includes Nathan McKinnon, so hopefully he'll be back tomorrow for Washington. He is Arif Dean the lead hockey writer for the um, all of us here at Mile High Sports. You make sure you check out the Hockey Mountain uh, Podcast and Hockey Mountain High Podcast, pardon me, and uh, check out everything that ARIF is putting together over at Mile High Sports. You can get the Mile High Sports app and get it all in your pocket. Run Right ARIF, A-A-R-I-F, is the handle on social. ARIF, always appreciate talking to you. We'll find out a little bit more about it. the Avs can finish this road trip, and hopefully it ends up not being disastrous. And like you suggested, yeah. they need to start looking at yeah. the personnel trades. Don't wait till the deadline. Do it now. Thanks for the time.
2: I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.
1: All right. Thanks so much, ARIF Dean, joining us. and. In- I think he's right. I understand that there are ideas, Sandy, where you maybe want to get closer to the deadline because it might be a better deal. I agree completely with Arif. You have to figure out something right now. It has reached essentially, if not panic point, it's desperation point. Because you can get into the playoffs all well and good, even with this squad, even with the top line leading most of the scoring, but an exhaustive Georgiev dooms you to
3: failure. You
1: have to make a move now.
3: And again, it's ridiculous, and I know Florida's a terrific team. It's ridiculous to give up 43 shots on goal. After you've not extended yourself in the first three games on the trip. It's a joke to go in there and give up 43 shots. And that isn't on Georgiev, it isn't Georgiev's fault that he's seen more than 40 shots. No, that's, that's on the He has nothing to do and with the number uh, of shots that's taken. on the forwards, too. And... Uh, It was pretty clear, having watched parts of all four games, the game on Saturday night was the worst of the four.
1: Well, maybe it will spur a little something different going on because obviously the Avs need to find a way to right the ship before things become problematic. Not for the making the playoffs part. Even that, that seems fine. But if they have actual Stanley Cup aspirations. You won't have home
3: ice if if they keep playing like this because right now, Winnipeg and Dallas in the Central, both have better point percentage records than the Avs do.
1: They will have to find a way to get things done sooner rather than later. Now, the Denver Broncos and the AFC West, uh, they have the all-off offseason to worry about it. But um, after watching the Chiefs win another Super Bowl, they still have plenty to worry about. What does that mean for the Broncos? The champs are going to be the champs again. The Chargers are bringing in Jim Harbaugh. The Raiders, by the way, already finished ahead of them. I mean, what do you do? We'll take a look at it next to Miley Sports.
0: See the boys and me mean business Busting out dinner alive I can hear the high dogs on my trail All oh, hell breaks loose Alarm and sirens will Like the game Sandy Cuff and Sean Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy.
1: The AFC West in the remarkable offseason, of course, after the Chiefs win their second consecutive Super Bowl, knocking off the Niners. Yesterday, they have now won three of the last five. They've been four of the last five. And, yes, uh, are there the occasional cracks in the in the armor? There sure are, you know, as as the salary cap tends to to work its way on good teams. We've seen it happen with many teams before. The the 49ers, of course, are going to be asked questions about that because uh, they have Brock Purdy next year at 1.12 million. Yes, and then he's going to get uh, I 50 don't know, times. Yeah, 40, 50 times that exactly. So uh, the idea of paying all their guys a uh, big money. They they have uh, players. In fact, I think what it, I think they have one of the top two highest-paid players at four different positions. Yeah. The 49ers do. That's a concern. So for the Chiefs, yes, eventually that becomes a problem. You can imagine that we, we talked about how Chris Jones could have easily been the MVP. Sure. He may have played his last game as a Chief. It was very
3: likely. V- it
1: was hard to get him on the team this year to fit him in, and it may be only next. So yeah. could there be weaknesses? Yes, but everyone who's lost to Patrick Mahomes over the last couple of years have realized, well... That's going to be tough. So we know the Chiefs, barring something bizarre, and I, I'm I'm fine saying this the day of the Super Bowl, the Chiefs are going to win the AFC West again, barring a, a series of remarkable injuries next year. The question for the Broncos is what what is their playoff route? Now, could they be better than the Raiders, who finished the year rather strongly, and uh, at the team was certainly won over by Antonio Pierce to the point that uh, Devontae Adams stopped asking about a trade, and Max Crosby indicated that he would want one if Pierce wasn't hired.
3: Yeah. So you know, oh, I think the players made that very clear. You know the star that, that, that Pierce is their guy.
1: That they finished ahead of the Broncos, by the way, via the tiebreaker in the AFC West. The Chargers uh, absolutely crash landed at five and twelve, and they do have salary cap issues of their own. But they have just a
3: turnaround. Artist. And they have Jim That's-
1: Harbaugh now. Sandy, I'm trying to figure out how the Broncos, who are not, especially without a quarterback, not any better than the Raiders right now. Certainly not better than the Chiefs. I expect the Chargers to bounce back because you got Herbert and Harbaugh. I'm trying to figure out how the Broncos get out of last place in the AFC West, let alone talk about playoffs. Not to go all Jim Moore on everybody, but seriously. Jim is back in business.
3: Right? Have you seen the yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, he looks the same. How did he it do He looks that? the same.
1: Yeah, the boy... He hasn't aged a No, day. I mean, I mean, I try to moisturize here and there he and everything, but holy cow, amazing. man. I mean, it's good amazing. Yes, seriously. Usher, too, Jim's by the way. Guy. Usher have a time machine. He looked like he was still 27. I had to Google him. He's 45. Look yeah. What's he doing? Amazing. Um, Someone tell me out. There's
3: good news and bad news in all this. The good news is that the 2019 Chiefs of the three Super Bowl champions over the last five years, Were far and away stronger than the twenty-two. There's definitely Chiefs a decay. Yeah, the twenty-three Chiefs weren't as good as the twenty-two Chiefs, although there wasn't nearly as wide a gap. In fact, the best. I mean, last year's Chiefs won fourteen. This year's won eleven before going all the way. The best Super Bowl team that Kansas City ever had was the second Super Bowl team Kansas City ever had after losing the first Super Bowl to Green Bay. And they came back three years later, and they crushed the Vikings with, I think, the best team that ever played in the American Football League. And, I, in fact, I will go as far as to say in the last four years of the 10-year history of the AFL, the Kansas City Chiefs were better than the Raiders who went to one Super Bowl and better even than the Jets, who went to a Super Bowl and won in what is still considered the greatest upset in pro football history. That was the best of the chief championship teams since the 1969 team. That's in part the good news, that they aren't getting stronger, and certainly if they don't have Chris Jones next year, they won't have as good a defense.
1: No. Because he's the centerpiece Here's of the whole Here's the
3: bad night. news. Even though there are some fraying around the edges with the Chiefs, and we saw some of that this year, right. even in their loss to the Broncos in Denver in late October, they're still a hell of a lot better than the Broncos are. And, by the way, a hell of a lot better than the other two teams in the AFC West. And though this may have been a mere error of omission, Andy Reid was talking yesterday about having texted Antonio Pierce, the coach of the Raiders during the week and saying, First class practice facility that you have out here, we enjoyed it. Thank you. Right? <laughs> it's a little bit of but, a needling. A okay. Thanks no, 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 us. no. He wasn't he wasn't needling <laughs> him. No, he wasn't needling him. Uh it, it was very congratulatory. And he said, oh, by the way, yes, and thanks for kicking our ass on Christmas Day. He which knows, they did. He knows which that that team they slept,
1: did. walked through some games in this season, no, including no, the one but, in which they lost I, to the Denver I'm Broncos. I'm saying,
3: though, he dismissed the Broncos. He didn't mention them. He said, the chart. we got trouble from two teams next year. We got Harbaugh coming in, a terrific coach, and we got Antonio Pierce, also a terrific coach, and a team that embarrassed us. He didn't say the Broncos embarrassed him. It, 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 the way Andy Reid and all the Chiefs looked at that game, they, half the team was sick. And it wasn't a big game. It was them. a road it was a, it was a much bigger game right. for the Broncos to end the 16-game losing streak to the Chiefs, uh, which had reached the point of being completely ridiculous, losing 16 games to one team. I don't care how much of a gap there is. Two division teams at know each other as well as these two teams do. One team went 16 in a row. Right. Mean, the Broncos didn't have 16-game losing streaks in the AFL. The AFL West teams, they played twice a year. They weren't losing 16 in a row to any of them. Uh, it, the Broncos finished third this year ahead of the Chargers. They still haven't beaten the Raiders in the 20s. Not once. But think about that. They've beaten the Chiefs more in the 20s than they've beaten the Raiders in the 20s. Now, they fared well head-to-head against the Chargers, but I just know this. Harbaugh came on in San Francisco, and almost right away they started winning. And they didn't have Justin Herbert. Nope. They did they not. They had Alex Smith. hmm And then they had Colin Kaepernick. And I think Kaepernick... Was a much better quarterback than people generally remember, but he ain't Justin Herbert. He was never Justin Herbert. And Harbaugh knows that. Harbaugh knows quarterbacks. He was a quarterback himself, and he knows what he's got, in Justin Herbert. Now, they've got problems. They're an older team, they've got big salary cap issues, but I think the way the Broncos are perceived. Is, is as merely an afterthought. They don't frighten anybody, even coaches within their own division who have won three Super Bowls in the last five years. Like the Broncos kidding me. I mean, the Raiders embarrassed us in a game we wanted and the chargers have a new coach. And of course, a new management team, new general manager. Anyway, I just, I, I I think there's more bad news than good news in all of yes. This. And oh, this. Yes, and this was but if there was a year to get the Chiefs, this was the year. Yep, and nobody got them. Nobody got them. Nobody. Not only in the AFC West, in the whole AFC, nobody, nobody got in the them. When it even
1: close? Every other team in the AFC West has a losing record. Every other team in the AFC West has a losing record. This they was are year get so far. This was year beyond. Year and, and and then when you think about. Where the Broncos stand when it comes to the idea of moving on from Russell Wilson. I, I, I mean, just consider this. Russell Wilson, by the way, with his dead cap money of twenty six It is February, million? isn't it? It is.
3: When did the guy said uh sooner rather than Sean later? Said, last I mean, week he said Sooner that a couple rather of than times.
1: later. Yes, he did.
3: A variation of sooner rather than later. This won't drag out. Um but, but keep, keep looking, this in mind. Uh, it's February 12th. Twelfth. Yeah.
1: Russell Wilson already, by the way, when he was traded at the Broncos, was responsible for the fourth most dead cap money ever. Because the Seahawks had 26 million dead <laughs> on the cap. Carson Wentz had 33.8 when they moved on from him to the Eagles in 2021. Aaron Rodgers, after moving from the Packers to the Jets, 40.3 and Matt Ryan, 40.53. The <laughs> Broncos can take. When they release Russell Wilson, they will. I, I do not care what they say. You shouldn't either. They're they're not gonna re-sign him. The all options are on the table. Not true. Look, all options are on the table for you too. Okay. To be honest, Sydney Sweeney might call you tomorrow. She might slide into your DMs. You might win the lottery. You might be struck by lightning. It might rain cats and dogs tomorrow. All options are on the table, but one of them is likely, and it's releasing Russell Wilson because nobody's trading for him. It's not happening. The Broncos are going to cut for you him. to
3: release him. That's what the other team should
1: do. That's it. And the pecuniary damages for that, people, are immense. If you spread it out, and here's where the Broncos are really stuck because I think with Sean Payton in charge, they won't do this. Just explained how I don't think they can even get out of fourth next year unless there are injuries. What you should do is just take your medicine. And take the $87 million cap hit in one year and just live with it because you aren't going anywhere in 2024. Sorry, I get it. The Super Bowls yesterday. Hate to throw cold water on it, Bronco fans. You'll be lucky if you got out of last place. So kill off all the de- dead cap money in one year instead of spreading it out, taking 40 some this year and 45 in 2020, in the 2025 season. All you're doing is setting yourself back
3: further. We were at the uh, CU Arizona game the other night. A couple of friends of mine were seeing section four, row 14, right behind that kind of auxiliary press area, um, kind of on the angle uh, closest to the CU bench, right? And we got a bunch of not, not, they were older than students, but, you know, probably people with ties to Boulder, or, Younger alums that, or ties or, yeah, yeah. to CU, whatever. Okay. And there were about I don't know nine or ten of us. And we were doing a mini talk show because the game got out of hand. Mm-hmm. Actually, yes, so we it weren't did. paying much attention during the last 15, 16 minutes of the game because it was garbage time and the competitive portion of the game had ended. And so we're, we're kind of having a mini talk show. And the very subject that you just raised came up. And everyone agreed, one, that the Broncos at the present time are almost completely irrelevant, certainly on the national scene. Yeah. And secondly, get it over with, with Wilson.
1: Pull off the Band-Aid.
3: That was exactly the expression that one of them used, too. Pull off the Band-Aid. Cut, cut him. Do and it, it in one year. And, and you it, should, you should just take year. all
1: the dead cat money in one yeah. year. Take all of it. Forget you're, it.
3: You're in trouble next year anyway. You don't have any draft picks. You certainly don't have a quarterback. Let's say who knows, right? You, you
1: let's say you draft Bo Nix, and Bo Nix is the rookie of the year quarterback. You're still not making the playoffs because the 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 teams ahead of you are more advanced. And then if, if even with all that, then you have to take a forty-something plus the year after when you actually maybe even have
3: found your quarterback. That's silly. And maybe you have a few draft picks by then.
1: Just yeah, you just take it all at once. Houston Astros, this thing, forget it, forget it. Take all the dead cap money, trade who you can trade, get some picks, burn it down. The the number of players that the Denver Broncos have that are actually tradable. Cortland Sutton has probably got elevated himself into that. He wasn't prior to the season. Might want to capitalize on that while you can. Maybe there's a team out there that somehow believes that they can handle Jerry Judy and they'll give you something. Okay. Okay, because you know what? He's on his fifth-year part of his deal. He's going to cost you a ton of money now. He's a, he's a 10000000 plus million-plus-a-year guy. Patrick stands on his rookie contract. Hold him. Unless, of course, you can trade up somebody who wants to give you something ridiculous, which they won't. And you probably want to keep Justin Simmons because I think he's the single most important player on the team because the team literally changes the way they play when he's on or off the field. Unfortunately, Simmons and Sertain are the two guys that would get you the most. I think you hold on to both of them. And I think everybody else is on the table to move on from whether you want to, you want to cut, you want to trade everything. Now, should the Broncos do that? Yes. Would they do that? Because Sean Payton is in charge and Sean Payton is probably not here to rebuild. Well, that's the worry. That's the worry for me. If you had a coach who was here and understood he was to rebuild, a la Jim Harbaugh, a la Antonio Pierce, the two coaches that Andy Reid seemed to hint at, you could do this and say, all right, we know what the plan is. Sean Payton is about a winning team right now because Sean Payton sees himself as the ultimate winner, and so you can't lose too many games and be the ultimate winner. So the Broncos, what the Broncos need to do is one thing. What the Broncos person who's in charge of it, sorry, George Payton, we know it's not you, you know it's not you, it's Sean Payton. He's not gonna do it because that's not how he's wired. That's what the position the Denver Broncos are in, folks. Can't wait for the 2024 season. It's gonna be a blast. We'll see how (laughs) it gets handled. The Denver Nuggets have a big game tonight. They're in Milwaukee to take on the Bucks. We'll break down the champs next. Miley Sports.
0: This is Sandy Clough and Chandro
1: Tar on Mile High Sports. Well, you heard me talk about it on uh, some of the ads, but uh, you know, you know, the Colorado home market's been crazy for years. But uh, the way to navigate it, Dave and Mark, at Key Real Estate Group's Colorado Luxury Home Team. I'm telling you, when they, the Colorado Luxury Home Team doesn't mean you have to buy a luxury house. Although most certainly you can. It's that high-end luxury service you're after, and you get that whether you're buying or selling. That Dave and Mark are. Experts, they know Colorado's market, they know how to ride all those highs and lows, they have the experience and stability that you want and need. Uh, they're as steady as it gets 20 25 years in the same offices that's a pretty solid privately held company inventory still low around the denver metro area as you well know i'm sure if you're looking for a house so homes that are priced right are still selling fast let david mark give you a free valuation and even though it may be the colder in the, these winter months here depending on the day in colorado right it's hit and miss but uh, even though you think about not selling it in the cold remember the buyers in the winter months they're looking to move now so they're more serious no reason to wait let david mark represent you to get everything you deserve. Call them now at the Key Real Estate Group 720 900 list. That's 720 LIST or visit them today at thekeyrealestategroup.com. The uh, top of the Western Conference, Sandy, is a uh, tight four teams within half a game of one another, including the Denver Nuggets, who uh, take a two game winning streak against the Milwaukee Bucks at least, into Milwaukee. Uh, good news there for our uh, own Brian Blackburn of Mile High Sports, and we'll have Ryan on tomorrow to talk about this game as well. Both Mike Porter Jr. and Contavius Caldwell-Pope will play in the game against Milwaukee, which tips off in just about 13 minutes after taking a a, a big loss on Friday to the Sacramento Kings, to which maybe you feel the uh, old Greg Popovich schedule loss might have been in that mix.
3: Oh, I, I think there was even more than uh, the proverbial schedule loss involved in terms of uh, imitating Popovich, although the Nuggets were uh, more subtle about it. Uh, Michael Porter on Thursday night was terrific against the Lakers, tremendous, and that was the difference in the game because the top four guys, LeBron and Davis for the Lakers, Murray and Jokic for the Nuggets, were, were all terrific. I, yeah. I think Murray was the best of the four, but the other three guys are great. Davis might have been the second of the four, actually. LeBron and Jokic uh, might not have been quite as impactful on that game, but the difference was the Nuggets had Porter and the Lakers didn't really have twenty yeah, I mean, twenty seven
1: points for Porter in that. Yeah, in that yeah he play. was great. He's obviously a huge game.
3: So I'm thinking, and he, they made the point throughout the game. Here's Michael Porter, who's had injury concerns throughout his NBA career, and I think he's played in every game. And they were talking about that Thursday night, Friday night. Knee tendinitis, he's out. Tonight, he's playing. So, and I'm not criticizing this. In fact, it, when I heard knee tendinitis, I said, that's kind of a catch-all. It is. It's, like, hey, it's
1: sore, right? Yeah, I have tendonitis. Yeah, it's, a it's, it's stiff and okay.
3: sore. Don't play. The Nuggets knew they weren't going to win in Sacramento the next night. Sacramento's a good team this year. Uh, they have the league leader in triple doubles. Believe it or not, right. it's not Jokic. It's Sabonis. And, listen, it, Sacramento's a tough place for the Nuggets to play. That Sacramento might be as tough a place for the Nuggets to play as any in the league right now, come to think of it. Uh, they, they've really had problems against the Kings, and, and that's been going on for a few years now. The Kings just match up well against the Nuggets. They, they're confident against them. And they're thinking they're not going to win, and, uh, you know, Caldo Pope was sick and missed the game on Thursday night, and they sat him out on Friday. He's going to play tonight. Looks like Lillard's going to play tonight. He's probable. For Milwaukee, so it looks like Giannis and Lillard and Murray and Jokic and Porter and Caldo Pope and Nuggets out their starting lineup. Yeah, um, Milwaukee's reasonably healthy. I know Middleton turned his ankle the other day. I don't know if he's playing.
1: He's still he's listed as you know, questionable, uh, questionable. stands up, yeah. you know, obviously okay. as we're sitting here. But
3: I, I I think yeah, it'll be a good game. Uh, I was I was just so impressed by the Nuggets on Thursday night against the Lakers and. You know, I, I I just don't think the loss on Friday night counted for how much. How about that?
1: For the, Porter, the point you made about Porter Jr., 62 games last year. Here he is now, 25 years old. The last of the five Nugget starters to miss a game. The 53rd Correct. game of the yep. year is the first right. one he missed. And, and
3: rightly so. I, I mean, I don't want him playing 82 games. No. He may want to play 82, but. It, Averaging the most the minutes of his games.
1: career, 31.5. Right. Right. I, I I look at it this way. If he was him. right. That's one of you, you wake up, Yeah, eh, my knee's a little sore. It's like, eh, that's all right. Take you know, And off. they
3: played him on Thursday night on national TV play great. So nobody's upset with him. Right. Cause nobody was telecasting on a national basis Friday. So he misses the game Friday. And he's there for Milwaukee tonight, which is one of quite a few on the NBA schedule. Um, for some unknown reason, the NBA and NHL went light yesterday. No, I, don't yeah, I don't know why. Huh. Who, who, who possibly. I mean, were people watching rationally. something else no, that I did I, that I miss?
1: Know. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. Heavy it's schedule. A few hundred million uh, in the NBA tonight, obviously. And the Nuggets will take on the Bucks as they uh, continue that road trip. This will end that brief three game road trip and then they will go back to Sacramento for yep. a matchup on Valentine's Day on Monday against those Kings, which uh, presumably, hopefully, fingers crossed, knock on uh, knock on wood that they'll be healthy
3: and I'd be you full know, of compliment for that. I want to compliment you because you 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 were on to Sabonis a couple of weeks ago and I can't remember if it was during one I was of on offer when he was, uh, no, on no, the was No no but I mean man. you were you were on him <laughs> as a guy who uh, you know should have been an all star, kind of a triple double machine. Should yeah. have been an all star, and so on. And I say, yeah, you know, I, I like him, but, you know, I'm, I, I'm getting a little weary of hearing, uh, people say, uh, who was it doing the nugget game, uh, Reggie Miller right. on Thursday night He's doing the nugget game, <laughs> and, and and Reggie had uh, kind of tongue in cheek when he said this, but, uh, he made the point. Hey, Murray, Murray should be an all star. Murray should be an all
1: star. He should have been.
3: Yeah, well. He missed a month. One. That's that's the challenge. Televised, yes. Two. Who you throwing off the team to make room right. for Murray? Yeah, we went over that. Okay. Is he an all-star caliber? And Miller player? finally yes. said, is and he's he doing an the all-star. game with Kevin Harlan, and Harlan was kind of poking him, needling him a little bit, and he said, "I have no idea who I'd leave off. <laughs> I'm just saying it's too bad he's not an all-star." Well, you could say exactly the same thing about Sabonis, and as I like, there are probably three or four other guys who there are having are, great years. Sure. Sabonis is. Got 17 triple doubles this year. Jokic has 15. How about that? Luka Doncic has a bunch. But, you know, uh, Sabonis went 17, 17, and 10 the other night. Now, his triple doubles aren't like Jokic's. They aren't as dominant. That's true. 30, 20, 10, you know? Right.
1: They're not as dominant.
3: No, but he's got more than Jokic has, and Jokic is recognized as the guy who will probably, by the time he's done playing, have more triple doubles than anybody who ever lived. More than likely. I mean, it sure uh, seems know, like it. But Sabonis is a hell of a player, and they've, they've got a really good team in Sacramento. And I say that, that, I know they lost a home game recently to Detroit. How, I don't know, but it was one of those nights they didn't show up, and it was right before the Nuggets came. <laughs> so I figured <laughs> Mike Brown would have his team ready for the defending champs on the back end of the back-to-back. And uh, tonight, both teams have sufficient rest The game's in Milwaukee. Uh, The Nuggets won uh, earlier this year out here. And Milwaukee right now is in third place in the East, not second. Cleveland is the hot team in the NBA. Cleveland's won 9 out of 10. They're the hot team in the league right now.
1: Yeah, uh, Cleveland's been fantastic. Donovan Mitchell up to 28.2 points a game. Obviously, uh, they are on fire. And and you know what? uh, I'll, I'll do a little mutual admiration, Society. You've been one of the ones that have been talking a little bit how people aren't paying appropriate attention to Cleveland and yep. how they are one That's of the right. real contenders. That's right. Beca- and and, and the Knicks right? are
3: going well too until they lost Randall and then Ananobi went down. Right. So they're missing injuries kind of derail I mean, Injuries have hurt them and they still won seven out of ten. But in case you were but curious, but Milwaukee's for Cleveland, lost six out of ten. Milwaukee ne- needs this game tonight. Cleveland would be tied in the mix if they were in the West. They'd be. It'd
1: be a five-way oh, tie in the West yes. for first place. Cleveland and, is legit. Thirty-five
3: and sixteen or at least 16 losses, a very popular mark right now in, in the NBA. Yeah, you, You've got at least three teams with so 16 losses. Uh, OKC has 17. Denver has 17. Uh, Boston with 12. But point right differential now. per game. Cleveland in fifth in the entire NBA
1: behind oh, Boston, Cleveland's Oklahoma City, uh, Minnesota, and the Clippers. The Nuggets are at the moment coming in at 10th at plus 3.6. So we'll find out what happens in that game. Milwaukee, by the way, tied. 3.6 so it's about as much of a, a push as you can get we'll find out who goes ahead and wins this one we'll talk about it tomorrow with uh ryan blackburn as well to. so fun breaking down the super bowl i suspect we're not entirely done i think there's some things tomorrow that to nibble on as the chiefs go back to back as world champions enjoyed talking about it with all of you danny bailey in the booth making everything work as he always does it's a it's nice to be back after a week in vegas vegas is fun but as a lot of you know vegas is fun for like two three nights and, uh, uh, and then that's you, you my went mind. back, but uh, it's definitely dur- during Super Bowl week. I will say I, I woke up Saturday after I got back at uh, 2 p.m. It was a week. <laughs> so, you, <laughs> it's, you uh, need, it's nice you to need be back. Vacation. Yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't for beauty sleep either. It was just I need to, like, you know, like live. So it was a good, good productive week. Great job by the my Life Sports team out there. If you haven't heard all of the interviews, by the way, you can still go to MyLifeSports.com, sure. check out the social media. They're all there, all terrific interviews, Hall of Famers galore, uh, Kurt Warner, Steve Largent, Kellen Winslow, Randy Gradishar, of course, and so many others, uh, DeMarcus Ware as well. So check it out, MileySports.com or the Miley Sports app. Get it right in your pocket. We'll be back in about 22 hours. We'll talk about those Denver Nuggets. They tip it off in just a few. Keep it right here. This is Miley Sports.